0: Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that is making headlines around the world. My name is Jody Jenkins. I'm Tony Clement. And Tony, we are socially distant. Oh, sorry, physical distancing. I, I always yes, forget that. physical. Not, we're, we're, so, we're very
1: social, but we're physically dis- distancing. That's right.
0: And I want to start the show off with a couple controversial things before we get to our guests. This, this will be pretty quick. But do you remember when we invited... Was it Gord Perks to come on the show? And he shut us down, like, instantly. Do you remember that? We were blocked, man.
1: It was awful. Yeah.
0: So I invited...
1: Toronto City City Councillor.
0: Yeah. So I invited Scott Reed, who is well-known in the media world. He's from another somewhat good podcast that's in Canada. I don't really want to name them, the Hurley Burley. But he said that he wouldn't come on our show either.
1: I don't know what it is that we're, we're scaring some people away, but there are people who are stepping up.
0: I don't get it. I don't get it. Now I didn't do myself any favors on Twitter. And I, I know I kind of apologized to you for going a little overboard with our Twitter account, but I, I did send a picture of chicken to Scott Reed when he's, he wouldn't come on the show, but it was very tasty chicken wings <laughs> jody I, I actually you know it actually got me going for my lunchtime <laughs> actually that, you know what so i i would love some chicken wings right now so
1: anyway exactly now where are the chicken wings when you need them
0: but i do so have to thank, say this thank you
1: scott reed for declining yeah when you, when you whetted my appetite
0: i do have to say this though because i give the guy credit and if you know scott reed give him a shout out for this but I challenged him. And I did this on purpose, obviously, but I'm the chair of a a homeless shelter that we started here in the Belleville area called the Grace Inn. And I said, Scott, we want you on the show. For every minute you come on, I'll donate a meal to the Grace Inn shelter. And he sent back a tweet saying... Jody, that's a great initiative. I just donated to the Grayson Shelter, and I'm still not coming on your show. So, I mean, it was a win-win. It was a win-win. So.
1: It was classic. Uh, I, I got to give him, you know, he's got a good sense. Uh, he, you you really yanked his chain a little bit, Jodes. So, uh, good for Scott Reed uh, and the Hurley Burley for uh, taking it with the grain of salt.
0: There okay, so we have a great guest today, and I'm yeah. excited for this one. I'm going to let you uh, introduce him, but uh, this is going to be a good one.
1: This is great. I'm, we're so excited to have on our show our little little podcast, you know, <laughs> uh, the little pod, podcast that could, Mister Mark Hebshire, who uh, has been a broadcaster, sportscaster for decades in Ontario and beyond. Uh, he is uh, uh, he's got his own podcast. I want to state that right at the top: Hebsey on Sports. This guy was on Global TV, Sportsline, CK, CKCO, CKEY, my own uh, home station when I was growing up in Hamilton, uh, CHCH. Uh, he's, he created the Hebsey Awards. Everybody knows the, the Blooper Awards there. Uh, he's interviewed people like Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Joe Montana, uh, and he has a new book out, which is called The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of, and we're going to hear a little bit about that as well. So please welcome to our little diminutive podcast, the great <laughs> Mark Hepscher Hepsi, great having you on the show. Welcome, Mark. Oh,
2: thanks, Tony. Thank, thank you, Jody. Thanks. By the way, this is I thought this was, Jody, the universally
0: appealing <laughs> and another thing podcast. Well, I change it all the time. I may, if
2: I may quote you from a previous podcast, <laughs> the universally appealing so That's thank true. You for
0: that. We also throw in planet shaking uh, the odd time as well. And I'm gonna, <laughs> I know Tony's got some. Tony's got some great questions because he researches like nobody in this business, uh, maybe besides you when it comes to sports. But I gotta say this off the top, Mark, you were a part of my childhood growing up. I always tuned in late night with you and Mister Taddy, uh, watching the sports, watching the Hebzies um i'm sure you get this all the time but i just want to say that it's an honor to have you on the program and literally you are a part of of my memories of of being a teenager and and growing up so it's very cool to have you on uh, i i don't know what
2: to say i'm i'm speechless for the first time <laughs> in my life Thank but he was you. Ta- he was talking off air about how many divorces he caused <laughs> Well, I, well, I'm twice divorced, so I might have had something to do with this.
1: <laughs> but the show, the show was a staple for many uh, a person of the male persuasion uh, late nights, so it's great to have you on. Uh, we, right off the top, I want to hear about your book. This is an amazing story uh, of Canada's first Olympic gold medalist, and bravo for you, uh, props to you for digging this story out. Tell
2: us about the greatest athlete
1: we've never heard
2: of. I like to watch cop shows, detective shows, you know, legal shows. I, I like the investigating part of things. So when my, at the time, teenage son says to me, hey, dad, who was the first Canadian to win an, uh, an Olympic gold medal? I'm like, yeah, Etienne MRTO, 1904. Go away, kid, you bother me. And he says, no, according to the Canadian book of trivia, it's George Orton to which I said, who, who, to which he started to laugh, to say, you of all people, Mr. Sports Know-It-All, I know everything about Canadian sports history, blah, 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 don't know it, and him and his teenage friends started to laugh at me. Now you know that if you're an expert on something and that people are making fun of you, you are, you've got to do something about it. It's humiliating and embarrassing. It's not good. It's not good. (laughs) No. So, of course, I run right to Google. I put in George Orton. How could I have never heard of this guy before? And not a lot written about the guy at all. I'm going, how can, how can this be? How could he have won a gold medal hot book? And now I'm doing detective work. Now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to, uh, to the Tor- Toronto uh, Reference Library and I'm looking up microfilm, microfiche, old newspaper articles from the 1890s. And every day I'm finding something new about this particular fellow that is um, amazing to me, shocking to me remarkable and I started wondering I wonder what happened to his gold medal his Olympic gold medal would wow. have been the first ever yeah. by Canada and likely likely the earliest known um, Canadian sports artifact that's that has to do with sports and I'm not talking about the Stanley Cup of you know it was around that same time I'm talking about an individual award like who was the first really great you know Canadian athlete and, and what did that person accomplish so It got me thinking like a detective, I guess, things, uncovering everything and discovering stuff that was incredible. And the number one thing I discovered was the picture that had been circulating of this fellow for the last hundred years wasn't even a picture of him. (laughs) It was a picture. uh, It was a picture of his brother. Wow. Wow. They got the wrong guy. Yeah, they got the wrong guy for a hundred years. So, anyway, it was detective work, and you know, I mean, and and to this day, there are little things that are coming out about little, a, a newspaper article or a periodical or something, that's quite remarkable. And so, um, my idea was let's do a documentary on them because that's what I know. I know TV, and then uh, we did a documentary that's about ninety six percent complete before we completely ran out of money. <laughs> Somebody, uh, a friend of mine who saw a rough cut of it said, you know what? I got a friend of mine who's at publishing, long story short. They say, write a book. We like the story. And so I wrote the book. And now here's the, here's the funny part is now I'm peddling the book and people are going, wow, you should turn this into a a movie, a documentary. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) that was the idea originally. And I do have a lot of footage of of or- of orton's only living um, um relative his granddaughter in san francisco who i interviewed a few years ago and a lot of other really cool stuff but again it's it's funny how you know things have a way of coming around this year of course being an olympic year or was supposed to be i was all set yeah you know here's a great you're story going to you're gonna big, love this book tour like, yes yeah. engagements you got it you got it so so i've, I've got several hundred books here in my basement uh, They were supposed to be on the road with me. I was actually today. I was supposed to be at the Penn Relays, the world famous Penn Relays, of which George Orton is the known as the father of the Penn Relays. Uh, I was going to be there uh, for that's like a massive event, like outside of the Olympics and World Championships. That's the biggest you know annual track and field event. He started that, so a real interesting guy to say the least, and um, a lot of fun to research and deep deep research. Tony, I know you appreciate this. You too, Jody. Deep research. Where you know that you're the only one who knows this about you're the only one. Wow. You're, you're the expert on uh, this. Uh, this is a, a, an important
1: part of our past, uh, you know, uh, and we we've been we've done so much better, if I may say so, celebrating our Olympians now. Uh, you know, ever since they own the podium concept came about and uh, uh, we really upped our game for the olympics and uh, we we treat our olympians well in terms of their training and uh, you know their needs but you know there's part of the history uh, they're standing on the shoulders of giants like uh, like george
2: orton so uh, i'm glad that you're doing this kind of research well you know at the time tony um, when george orton wanted to represent canada and 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 another thing the research showed me was for many years, the greatest runners in the world, athletes in the world, were Canadians. All the top milers for over a decade were all from Canada. Now, a lot of them had gone down to the States to go to school there. Um, But they were like incredible. We had the best, we had the best athletes. It's just that Canada at the time was not interested in athletics. Not at all. We were interested in building railroads and, telecommunication systems yeah. you know, uh, and um, mining and exploration. But we were not interested in athletics that was strictly for upper crust, strictly for well-educated men who had the, um, <clears throat> the means to go and, you know, play tennis or, uh, yaw, you know, uh, rowing or sculling or uh, golf or whatever the case may be. Uh, and athletics was part of that as well. So I think that the culture has way changed where, had he been around now, he'd be a superstar. Plus, he was the first disabled athlete to win a gold medal. He had a disability, but he hid his disability. He had a dead arm. He had fallen out of a tree when he was three years old. He was told he would never walk. But the um, fall had damaged his arm to the point where it was basically a useless arm. Wow! And so he, wow. so he won with a disability, which which is another incredible thing. Real. He was five foot six and one hundred and twenty pounds. So imagine today, a little guy like that, okay, literally and figuratively overcoming obstacles.
1: It's a great story. It's a it's a great. I can see why you were attracted to it and
2: uh, why it would be current and relevant for today too. Yeah, it's pretty inspiring stuff when you, uh, you know, and this guy, I I think as a human being, too, I think we'd all like to leave the planet a better place than when we arrived. I think this man, if I can speak for him, I think he wanted, that was something that was very important to him. He never told people about his athletic accomplishments, which were considerable, not even his own family. Um, Very modest man of Presbyterian background from Eastern Ontario, by the way, Jody where um, where exactly uh larry larry robinson's hometown
0: <laughs> which would be
2: winchester oh, okay. <laughs> Winchester!
0: <laughs> yes i am Beautiful. familiar with winchester <laughs> believe it or not believe it or not i dated a girl from winchester
2: oh i believe it
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: any golf courses nice golf courses out there
0: in winchester yeah. I, I haven't played. I haven't played any golf out there, to be honest. But, but I think I've only been there once. But I, I yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm very familiar with it. But
2: now he's interviewing yeah, anyway, This guy was from <laughs> this. This guy was from a very, um, yeah, very very uh, Presbyterian background. And so his granddaughter told me that he never spoke of his accomplishments. He never patted himself on the back ever.
0: That well, sounds like and Tony. So you can
2: see why. You can see why people didn't get his story. He, he didn't want to tell his yeah. story. He,
1: and you read it from a, from a different time, I, uh, I'm one of the three people that actually read Stephen Harper's book on uh, hockey, <laughs> <And> <laughs> a lot of people bought it for Christmas gifts, I can attest to that, but not so many read it, but it's all about the story of uh, the professionalization of ice hockey, uh, and the, the huge resistance by the upper crust, who wanted to keep it an amateur sport. And so, guys would would play on these teams and would would be have to be paid under the table, uh, and if they were caught, they were kicked out of the league. Uh, and that's the whole the whole ethos of the time was no, this is just for amateurs. If you're a professional, it's some, somehow dirty. So, same. I'm not saying it's similar to, George, but it's the same kind of thing about how this is an upper crust
2: activity. Right. In actual fact, Tony, what I discovered was that in Toronto. What you just said was absolutely true in the industrial heartland of Ontario. Absolutely. But in Montreal, they were very cool with amateurs racing in the same races as professionals. You know, um, that wasn't a problem at all. But in Toronto, if you raced in a race, if you were an amateur and you raced in a race with a professional, you were contaminated that's
1: pretty yeah. severe and that's the thing if you are an amateur that's the point if you're even an amateur and you were caught racing a professional you you're right that that was uh, that was bad on you too so it wasn't just the professionals that were caught up in this
2: so this there is you. what george orton left after he graduated from university of toronto at the age of 20. he wanted to stay you know we don't know if he wanted to stay but the opportunities were none there were no no to represent canada internationally Uh, Government officials weren't interested. There was no Ministry of Sport or anything like that. There was no Amateur Sports Association, um, except for the Canadian uh, Athletic Association, which was pretty small and didn't have much money or anything like that. Certainly they couldn't support paying expenses for an athlete or athletes to go and travel abroad. But um, so there was lots of opportunity. Now, nowadays, everybody accepts that. Back then, you were considered to be, you know, like a Benedict Arnold. God forbid you should leave Canada to go to the United States um, with those, you know, those bastards that beat that, that, uh, that, 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 fought the British.
1: Well, and when we had that case, uh, wasn't there a, a, a bobsleigh uh, uh, Callie Humphreys. who, who uh, defected <laughs> for lack of a better word? And there was a lot of
2: opprobrium on her for doing that, right? Still is Callie Humphreys. Absolutely. Yeah. She went and, uh, and she joined the United States team.
1: Yeah, not, not it's not cool. It's not cool.
2: What do you think you about don't our. Think so? I, think I, I would argue on that. I, I don't know, Tony. I think we would all do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're not thumbing our nose at our country, but if there was an opportunity to uh, compete internationally and you couldn't for your country for whatever reason, uh, well, why not? If you're that good and you can represent another country, we allow it. We allow people to come to Canada, get Canadian citizenship, and win gold medals for it. That's speed oh, skater from. Oh, and, and from the uh,
1: here's a fun fact for our listeners. Sometimes the Canadian citizenship citizenship is expedited by the government. No, <laughs> I'm telling you, because they can do it by order and council, make you a citizen, bam, just like that, snap of the fingers.
2: Right, so to, to win Olympic gold or for athletic. Awards. You got it, my friend.
1: That's uh, maybe a little dirty little secret, but it's it's uh, the God's honest truth. So there's uh, there you're right. There's a. a somehow a disconnect between how we perceive, and, you know, you you know, being of a certain age as I, perhaps a little bit younger, but, you know, when the NHL was uh, importing uh, Czechs and uh, Slovaks and, uh, you know, Vaklov, Nedimansky, and uh, all these guys, it was, you know, come on over to the freedom of the NHL to get paid big bucks. We, none of us had any problem with that.
2: No, and then, of course, once that opened the door to the top players, like the Stasny brothers, when they came to Quebec in the, uh, in the early 80s, around, in 1980, in fact, that's when it was like, wow, we got there's some really good hockey players around the world that are allowed to come here. Uh,
1: exactly, and it said it improved the
2: game. The game oh, did game. it ever. Did it you ever. Know, we would never it. have seen, I mean, Ovechkin, watching Ovechkin play all these years, can you imagine if we weren't allowed to see him because he was Russian? How ridiculous. And also the fact that we never got to see a lot of the players in their prime. Very much like the Negro Leagues of baseball. We never got to see the major leagues. Never got to see the really great players. They got to see Satchel Paige when he was in his 40s. But I think the same thing. We never in the NHL was a 16 league. And even when it was a 12 team league, we never got to see the great international players in their prime. It's a shame now and then there was the occasional
1: uh, Canada Russia series i i happened to watch uh, as part of my uh, covid stay at home entertainment i watched the central red army game against the montreal canadians on new year's eve 1975 i had a, i have a dvd of that and to see harlamov and yakishev and, and tretiak of course who was one of the best goalies of all time uh, on the ice with the the the, the top tier montreal Canadiens was uh you know, it's still a good game. It, it, it aged well. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you're right. It's a, an excellent example of how hockey should be played. So, come on, Jody, you got some questions.
0: Oh, sorry. Is the Tony Clement show still going, or can I ask a question? <laughs> <laughs> no, Mark. I. Of me
2: to go. Jody, there's plenty of me to go around. Buddy.
0: <laughs> Mark, uh, I don't want to take up a ton of your time, but I would like to ask some questions about your thoughts on the current state of sports, uh, given COVID-19. I mean, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it because it is the biggest thing going. Um, but I mean, I, I'd be interested. There's been so many things thrown around, for example, with major league baseball and I know your, uh, history with the sport and covering it and everything. Uh, what's your take on how they should approach this? You know, what's important here, Obviously, money plays a big role in all this, but I'd be curious to know if if Hebsy could set up a perfect scenario for the major league baseball season. What would it look like?
2: Well, that's a uh, you know. Can I get back to you in a couple of weeks? And that's an assignment. Yeah. That's a <laughs> that's that's a finals exam. That's a thesis. <laughs> it is. And they, I don't think there's a way of fitting that. You know, uh, I know. You know, it would be great to be able to go. Here's a nice. Here's a tailor-made answer to that. But there's just so many things that are involved in so many different jurisdictions. Uh, and I, I hate to use the expression red tape, but I would think that there would be, man, there's just a, so much to consider. I can only speak personally for myself. Is For the first while, I really, really missed it. And now I don't miss it so much because I've gotten into a different type of a routine. And I believe that when the time comes, that magical day when the doors are fully open, Go ahead, do what you want to do. I think a lot of people will resist going to games,
0: really spending, wow.
2: uh, be, being in clo- being in close quarters with other people um you know, and obviously, we have to see how this plays out. I can say one thing now, and for all I know, this pandemic can come back in the fall like it did in nineteen eighteen, like the experts are saying, and it could be two years before any even sense of quote normalcy and even then, the idea of a human being that spent six months a year whatever it was in basic quarantine and now being told go ahead if you want sit next to not next to sit and stand in close proximity to all these people like you used to before i just think a lot of people are going to go you know you know what i've learned to get along in my life without having to do this i'm okay with uh Virtual parties, or keeping my distance, or something like that. And having said that, I think it's going to have a real effect on sports. My concern is it's going to have a real effect on youth sports. Yeah, and kids are mm. not going to have the opportunity. Yeah. Never mind the professionals. We you we, you know as well as I do. We could all get along. We yeah. can all reinvent this society. Can reinvent the way sports are played, watched, you know, um, consumed. However you want to look at it, it can all be done. Okay. And again, you can play in front of you, know, you can play it in front of empty stadiums. You could you could play it from a controller in your room. It makes no difference. We've already evolved as a society, and esports will tell you that we can sit. Hey, I could sit and watch a guy fishing. Yeah. Okay. Honest to God, I can watch it. I can watch guys play poker if it's virtual poker. Hey, or if they have to be six feet away or whatever the case is, I could do that. So, honest to God, getting back to sit to sports the way it was. I I have no conception of it. I can't even figure it out in my head how it will work, when in my lifetime it's going to happen. But I do know this: between now and whenever that day is, there's lots of other things to do, and people are going to find things to do, and are already finding things to do.
0: Yeah, no, you so you raised so that some good when points. When we
2: do return to it, it's we're not going to be waiting on our edges of our seats, going, yeah. "When's that day coming?" Yeah, we're we're already prepared, and quite frankly. Well, I don't mind my own company. I kind of like spending time with my family. I, I There's something to say about solitude and not rushing and doing stuff that, you know, like I'm not in a big hurry to hug strangers anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't like it before. <laughs> I thought it was phony and that. Yeah. So I'm in no hurry yeah. to ever have to do that again with strangers. I can look at a stranger and I can bow from six feet away. How are you? And make eye contact. Yeah. I don't have to do that. So... I'm prepared for it. And we all are becoming prepared for that. And that's a life without sports as we know it. And as long as we're healthy and we can live, you know, and we've got YouTube so we can watch old games like the, you know, Soviets against <laughs> the Red Army against the Canadians in 75. Hey, I'm okay with that. I could live that. I could live a life.
0: Without and, it. and we have our respective podcasts. We have our podcasts, you, yours, and ours. I think. <laughs> The country's set up perfectly, if not the world. So, if I, not the world. and so I would it, say, does not does not bode well for the Olympics. Though what you just said, Pepsi. No, no, it doesn't. For
2: for any, I think for listen for any event for any concert any performer right now and any performers like okay yeah. you're used to going out on the road and look I had a bunch of speaking gigs that were anywhere from thirty people to a few hundred, and and so but what about. What about you you're, you're, You just produced a new album? You just yep. got a new film that's out, whatever it is, and you're trying to get it out to the public. And you can't do it, in, they can't be together in person. Well, we're already coming up with ways. We're already coming up with ways to do the sportscast from your basement, so ways to do concerts from your living room. We're, you know, uh, putting eight people in a box and Zoom or whatever. The technology's there. Right. So, again... Uh, we may be, we may end up being a more connected society than we ever were before. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's
1: it's a strange time. I, I agree that there's going to be cultural changes, some of which are going to be temporary, but some of which are going to be you know permanent. Uh, that uh, that it's not. It's I don't I did not coin this phrase, so I don't take ownership of it. But instead of the new normal, it's going to be the new not so normal. You know, some things are going to be changed uh, unalterably for forever uh, and we're not going to go back. So I think that's what you're expressing here, too. Yeah. No yeah. One's... And
2: um, uh, that is something that I just I don't think that any. I mean, the, the people who right now are antsy. We've got to get out of our houses and get back to the rest of the world. Look, the rest of the world all has to kind of do it at the same time. You can't you can't be doing look what Sweden did. They decided to leave their restaurants and bars open. You know, much later than other uh, countries did, and they're totally paying for it now. Yeah. But at the time, they were cool. They were, well, if, you know, I mean, what if the opposite was true? What if Sweden had flattened the curve and then decided, you know what, we're, we're good? Let's get back to normal. And then there was a spike again. So I think we all got to be on this, on the same page here, certainly in North America. You know, And to restricting travel, but I mean, you know, so you're not yeah. going to go to the
1: casino in Vegas as the as the mayor of Vegas no.
2: suggested then. <laughs> okay, no. we'll leave that. No, to no, no. that mayor boy. gee, wow, that's incredible. That's an elected official. Yeah, But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they want to be. What was it, Tony? They want to be the 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 the, uh, the, the, the trial park. balloon or the, yeah, the placebo. Balloon. They <laughs> wanted to be the placebo. <laughs> yeah. the placebo.
0: Well, I know one thing. One thing for certain that I've heard when you are talking about sporting events and of course the idea of having no fans empty stadiums i know a lot of teams are are wondering you know what will that be like how do we play with no fans and apparently the cincinnati Bengals are getting tons of calls on how to deal with that so i wish them all the best for
1: the for my uh, beloved raiders who just built a brand new two billion dollar stadium nobody's going to go to so it's uh, it's uh, really uh, quite uh, concerning, you know. Uh, for the economics are going to change,
2: is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, it's I, all. I'll uh, say, this, Mark I'll say
2: this: any entrepreneur now, especially one that has is a technological whiz, is there's a race now to see because even if it's two years, and even if after two years you can project that you'll put seventy thousand people in the stadium, thirty thousand people that will want to be together. After what, the, what we go through, somebody from somebody is going to come up with a way so that any any fan instead of actually going to their seat has a virtual seat at home that's part of it and feels as if they're actually in the action, and the players get the response that they might get if there were actually 70 thousand people there through that's the right. jumbotron yeah. system or whatever so someone is developing that because we know that there are already. the television world look what they've done with this michael jordan documentary they said listen we have to run it on sunday nights every sunday like it's a big ticket event because there's nothing else going on
0: yeah yeah
2: so they're going to they released this documentary early and they're running it every sunday so they so people are now racing to at what point can we honestly say yes we can have a football game here with no fans in the stands virtual whatever the case enough distancing right that there isn't enough of a um a risk going on and everyone else from the comfort of their own home can enjoy the experience. And, and if there's a few um, uh, bugs in the system, uh, so what that we understand, let's, let's go that way. Let's get people interested in that. And I guarantee you one thing, the gamers will be fine with it. They're not going to the football games themselves, but they'll certainly want to be part of the experience. Well,
1: with that, Mark, have uh i want to thank you for being part of our program it's been great talking to you congratulations with the book the greatest athlete you've never heard of congratulations on the podcast hebsey on sports and uh it's great to have uh, your insights into uh, a time when we need uh we need to think about these things so i just want to thank you uh, on behalf of our podcast and jody will do the same i'm sure
0: yeah no we really appreciate it mark i appreciate the memories that you brought up of winchester that was great
2: and uh <laughs> look forward
0: to having you back on soon you're welcome anytime
2: more than happy to jordy we'll get around a round of golf out at the bay of quinte one of these days
0: 100 buddy say the I'll word be, i'm I'll there be there i'll be there too. make it happen there.
2: beautiful yeah. Tony. that sounds great i would love to hear. listen i got together with jim taddy last year we hadn't played golf ever before oh my god so busy working raising families we had the best time oh fantastic that's great great. so hopefully soon knock with thank you gentlemen okay okay take care my friend
0: another excellent guest man that guy that guy could go on for hours i'm sure he has tons of stories that was a that was a good pickup there tony
1: yeah no i i'd love to have him back i mean here's a guy that has interviewed muhammad ali and michael jordan and of course, Gretzky, Joe Montana, I think I mentioned. I'd love to get some uh, great sports stories. So we'll, we'll definitely get him back in. But uh, it was great to get his uh, insights like, uh, about what the future of sport is. And, and the, the bottom line is, sport's going to be different, just like other parts of society are going to be different too. So great to hear about his insights and about his new book, which is a fascinating topic about our Canada's first gold medalist. So uh, uh, I would say a great program.
0: Yeah, and we'll get him to definitely come down for that round of golf. You got to stay on him about that at Bay of Quinte. We'll I book will. that, make that happen 100%. And before we wrap up here, finally, last week we were honored to have Stephen Lecce, Minister of Education, on. He didn't retweet that he was on the show, but you got to make sure that Hebsy retweets us.
1: Okay. I will make sure. Uh, Stephen, to give him credit, did like our tweet. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> it.
0: It's still not enough. I like Stephen, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but a yeah, like, yeah. you know, yes, that's about 50% of where we need to go. The, it yeah, was the yeah. retweet. It was the retweet. That's what we needed. That's it. So what I'm going to do, actually, well, you know what, now that I think about it, I'm going to get his buddy there, Pacini, David Pacini, who's also an MPP. Yeah. We'll get David on the show. And we'll make sure that David retweets not only his show that he's on, but he has to retweet Mr. Lecce's as well. So,
1: Okay, that sounds... You <laughs> see, we're working on our marketing on the air. This is yeah. perfect. So uh, we'll keep thinking about ways to get the show out there. You guys keep listening. It's great to have you as the audience and uh, spread the word as we grow
0: our audience. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and if you see Scott Reed on the street, make sure you say hi for us. We'd appreciate that. <laughs> That's right, yeah, his new best friend, Jody Jenkins. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk to you in seven days. For sure.